You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Welcome to another Three Maw Pod bonus edition. I'm Cole Manbeck, joined as always by former K-State wide receiver Curry Sexton and partner at Wildcat NIL. And we are here to talk about Kansas State's dominating 42-13 to victory over Troy, one of the better group of five opponents that uh, is out there in the country in a, a game that Kansas State and Kansas State fans were a little bit concerned about going in as K-State has lost a couple games to group of five teams over the last three years, but K-State controls this one. Got a little tight at one point in that game, but quickly K-State with a touchdown right before the end of the first half, stretched that lead out and took it from there. And so Curry, I mean, look, K-State was 14 and a half point favorites, according to Vegas, and they end up winning the game by 29. A lot of the advanced analytics had K-State. I think Bill Connolly at ESPN, his SP Plus had him winning by around 19. Kelly Ford, uh, another advanced analytics college football guy, had him around like 14 or 15, I want to say. And they win it by 29 against a team that's the preseason pick to win the Sun Belt. Finished ranked 19th in the country last year, returned 14 starters overall, um, you know, and won 12 games last year and had the second longest winning streak in the country, only behind Georgia going into that game. Last time they lost a game was on a Hail Mary against App State on September 17th, 2022. So taking all those things into consideration, how do you kind of grade what you saw on Saturday in K-State's win? I think it was an excellent win um, for all the reasons that you just stated. I mean, I think that game, I I felt like going into it, there was a little bit of a, there was too much comfortability within the K-State fan base, especially after what happened last year with Tulane and what happened prior with Arkansas State. Um, that that was a really, really good football team. Like you said, you know, had they not lost on that Hail Mary against App State, that's a team that that very well could have been in competition with Tulane for that for that New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, that is that is Troy is a very, very good football team with some obvious talent, as we saw on Saturday. And so was just thoroughly impressed with the performance, especially the performance of the defense, um, and 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 the resiliency of the team. You know, you get up, you get up big early. You think, okay, we're going to coast to a victory here. Troy fights back, and then we put the pedal to the metal, and 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 you know, really, really had an impressive end of that second quarter, and then second half, and so really just just very very impressed with the product that we put on the field on Saturday. Let's start with the defense because once again, just like week one, I, I, that was my biggest takeaway is just how dominant that defensive performance was. Again, from a group that was 105th in the country in returning defensive production, zero returning starts at the cornerback position, yet Jacob Parrish and Will Lee were a dynamite duo out there on Saturday and what they put on the field. In fact, Pro Football Focus graded them as K-State's two top defenders on the entire unit on Saturday. What Maybe let's just start there with what those guys were able to do defensively, Parrish and Lee. Uh, yeah, it's very, very impressive. Um, you know, I think one thing that I, I noticed that maybe I didn't notice it in the first game. I don't know that they did it in the first game, but they were they were flipping. Jacob almost played exclusively to the field and, and Will played almost exclusively to the boundary. So, if you know, if, if the ball switched hash marks, they'd flip sides of the field, which I think plays to their strengths. Uh, and Will's a little bit longer, a little bit rangier, maybe a little bit more physical in the run game. And then Jacob's obviously the speed demon, uh, got elite coverage skills. And so I think it, it was interesting for me to see that development um, Saturday and to watch those guys play those roles really, really well. Obviously, we've seen Jacob perform at a really, really high level whenever he's had opportunities. So continuing to see that is, is becoming less and less of a surprise. I mean, I, I kept commenting to my dad Saturday. I just said, it, you know, if they throw it to Jacob, he is always just, I mean, he's glued to his guy to the point you're like, is he going to start getting holding calls or interference calls? But he's just, he, his coverage is that tight. One little was awesome to see Will, you know, have the game that he did. Um, I have to say, I, you know, Will being a little bit slight, a slighter build for, for a tall, for a taller corner, didn't know that he had the capabilities that he showed Saturday to, to really be a force in the, in the run game. Um, and so fun to see him stick his nose in the middle of things several times and then obviously make that big pick. 
Um, so really, you know, just pleased with what we have with those two guys. And I think ultimately on the defensive side, I think I mentioned this last week, but Joe Kleinerman doesn't get enough credit for what he does to year after year with, with the turnover that we have on a year to year basis. And, and the turnover that we had from last year to this year with star power and to be able to show what we've shown over the first two weeks is, is pretty unbelievable. You hit on uh, something I was going to ask you about, Curry, because Joe Klanderman, and we'll talk more a little bit about Parrish and Lee and what they did on Saturday and some of the things that really stood out. But Joe Klanderman, since uh, let's take the COVID season out of 2020, that was out of whack. That was his first year on the job. And we know tons of guys were missing game in and game out. There, there's just nothing there to take from that. If you look at the 2021 season and you look at like the F plus rankings, which are Bill Connolly's SP plus, and then Brian Freemau and other advanced analytics guys, FEI ratings. So those advanced analytics, you combine them together. K-State's defense was 25th in the country in 2021. They ranked 20th in the country, according to the F plus last year. They currently rank 17th in the F plus this year. I mean, three straight years that they are fielding, and there were only two games in this year, but they certainly look on track. Three, three straight seasons of top 25-looking defenses out there, despite all of the turnover. I mean, Joe Klanderman seems like a budding star and maybe somebody that we just overlook. I'm guilty of a little bit because Colin Klein and, you know, the, the, the folklore of Colin and everything he did, we love Colin, but it does seem like Klanderman has been a little overlooked. Absolutely, you know, and I think unlike Colin, who's got that star power because of the player that he was and now the coach that he is, you know, Klanderman is a lesser known, I guess you could say. And he's not a guy that when you get when he gets in front of the media, you know, he's he's maybe not the biggest talker in the world. So, you know, he's not generating press clips and 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 headlines and things of that nature. He just shows up to work and, and does his job at a really, really high level. Um and and, and just seeing what he's done with some of those secondary pieces. I mean, you think about, you know, Josh Hayes last year. Hayes, you know, bounced from North Dakota State to Virginia and then to K-State, played corner, played safety, played that nickel position. Was kind of a, a guy that nobody really had high expectations for coming into last year because he hadn't really ever produced at a high level. And then he comes in, performs at, a, at an extremely high level, and then gets drafted. And I think you you know we've only caught a glimpse of, of Marquis Siegel so far, but I think you see some of that some of those similarities with him. You know, played at North Dakota State a lot of corner position, moving him out of that safety position. He looked like a natural on Saturday, and I think it just goes to show what kind of coach J- Joe Klanderman is and how he puts guys in the best position. I mean, Jordan Wright and, Col- and Colby McAllister are are other examples of that. These are guys who are pretty undersized. You know, their their traditional their traditional spot is that quarterback spot. Coach Klanerman saw a need at safety and, and put those guys in there, and now they're serving in, in, in key secondary roles there. And so I, I think his ability to to utilize his personnel and to also to to take his personnel and fit it to positions that make the most sense for their skill sets is is just really impressive. I don't know that I've seen a coach do something like that at K-State as much as he has and, and as well as he has. They've had a ton of success in the secondary, especially in the transfer portal. You just hit on it, and they've told us before, Chris Kleiman has at Big 12 Media Days, they think Siegel could be the next transfer that plays on Sundays. Uh, he shows his versatility that can play, you know, from the kind of be that Josh Hayes type that can go down, play corner, play in the slot, and also slide back to safety. He looked great in run support, made a couple of really nice tackles early in that game. Look, Julius Brents obviously had the size and physicality, and you knew that the potential was there. He turns into a second-round pick. He hadn't really done much in Iowa, partially due to injury, and then he comes in here, turns into a second-rounder. Hayes becomes a fifth. Russ Yeast transferring in from Louisville at safety. He gets drafted, you know, made it to an NFL roster. I mean, they, they just continue to have success, and it looks like they might have a couple more NFL corners on the way. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but Jacob Parrish on Saturday, targeted 11 times they completed four balls for 20 yards on him it's an average of 1.8 yards per pass targeted against Parrish he's right now graded I think pro football focus has has him as like a top 10 corner in terms of their grades in the country um you know five yards of completion allowed by him but the thing we know Parrish already like he's got elite coverage skills and we've talked about him quite a bit but Will Lee Curry, you already hit on it a little bit. One of the things that I noticed, and I was sitting next to John Kurtz on the Three Ma Pod at the game, is, and this probably hits on uh, what you were mentioning earlier, but there were some times where he was just lined up and run support 
uh, over like the tight end and didn't have a receiver over on that side of the field. And he was in the backfield constantly making plays. He ends up with one and a half tackles for loss. He co-leads the team with six tackles. But he really showed something with his ability to play physical, and that was something Julius Brents was really good at. Brents was a physical corner that was good in run support, and it looks like Will Lee might be a guy that can do that too. Yeah, absolutely, which is a huge asset. I think, obviously, Brents looked the part. I mean, Brents looked more like a linebacker than he did at corner, so to see him get physical wasn't a surprise to anybody. You know, Will Lee has a similar, you know, he's of similar height, but not the same build. I mean, he's he's much, you know, more slightly built, but but obviously showed us on Saturday that he's willing to stick his nose in the middle of things. And and I think by way of, of him kind of becoming that boundary corner, you're going to see him come off the edge a lot more, um, especially when you play against a team like Troy, where they get into those closed where, where they get into those closed formations. Maybe you know they kept putting to the boundary, they kept putting just a tight end, and then the receivers to the field. And that's that's you know the, those situations obviously set themselves up to bring pressure with that corner. And and Will showed that he's that he's you know cap- that he's capable of being physical, and that he's also got some some natural pass rushing ability. And there was one series in the second quarter where he he made he made a couple plays at the line of scrimmage, and then almost got to the quarterback for a sack. Um, he was in the backfield so much that that he had to come out for a snap or two during the middle of the series just to take a breather, um, which isn't something you typically see from corners because they're you know because they're just manning their island out there. But he was getting. He was so active out there that he that they had to pull him off for a couple snaps, which is something that really impressed upon me. He actually, uh, Curry, graded, according to PFF, as the number one pass rusher for K-State on Saturday against Troy. And it, it makes sense. I mean, obviously, Khalid Duke was great. Brendan Mott was the second best pass rusher uh, in terms of grades. Khalid was third. They all got after it. But Will Lee was living in the backfield and nearly got home on a couple of other sacks as well. Uh, it, look, I mean, we, we, Will Lee is going to be our player spotlight uh, guest on this week's Three Mall Pod through our collaboration uh, with Curry, Wildcat, NIL, and Riverbank Brewing and Council Grove. So we can't wait to have him on. You know, he's a guy that was once committed to Oregon State, and we'll talk to him about his story, and then blows up at the junior college national title game last year and ends up reportedly with an Alabama offer and, and several others, but stuck with K-State. So we'll talk to Will Lee about that on this week's pod. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the K-State defense when we come back from break with Curry. Uh, but right now, we're going to tell you about our friends at Homefield Apparel. Once again, they've done two tremendous K-State drops of apparel over the last few months. They did a recent drop in early August with about 10 or 11 new K-State items. Retro gear, retro logos, if that's your style, it is for me. You're going to find me rocking Homefield Apparel most of the time on game days, on Saturdays in Manhattan. So get stocked up. Go over to homefieldapparel.com. Check it out. They've got 40 K-State items on there, a sweet bomber jacket as well with Pennant Willie on it, a lot of throwback logo retro stuff that you're going to really enjoy. T-shirts, hoodies, soft, comfortable fit. Uh, I love homefieldapparel.com, and we'll hook you up with a um, 15% off if your entire first order with the coupon code or discount code of 3MALL23. Again, enter 3MALL23, score 15% off your entire first order. We're going to talk a little bit more K-State defense, and we're going to get into the K-State offense when we come back from break here with Curry Sexton. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
All right, so Curry, we've we've talked about the corners. I I, got to ask you about Austin Moore. We touched on him a little bit last week, but uh, he blew up a play on a fourth and one. uh, Him and Javon Banks and others uh, early on in that game against Troy. He's now tied for fourth in the country with five tackles for loss through two games. I think Pro Football Focus ranks him as the 12th best run defender across all positions in college football. Currently through two games, we know how good he was with 87 tackles last year, 10 TFLs. Uh, he he quite literally is a machine. That is what they nickname him, but it just feels like he is always right where the ball is at and making plays. Absolutely. I, I was, again, I was telling my dad Saturday, I said, you know, his nickname is perfect. I mean, he is around the ball. He maybe finds the ball more as a linebacker than, than, and I'm probably I mean, maybe Elijah Lee, but probably more, uh, more so Arthur Brown. Ten, you know, over ten years ago. I mean, Austin has has an innate ability to find the football, and I think a lot of it is because of his processing processing ability. I think he's one of the smartest kids on the field, and I think his instincts are are tremendous. Um, and so you see him making plays on almost every on almost every snap. It feels like. I mean, if there's a play at the line of scrimmage. You know, who made that tackle? And then you see, okay, it was Austin Moore, no surprise. And so, um, obviously, he's taken his game to a completely, completely higher, to a much higher level this year, which is impressive after the year he had last year. Um, so, just fun to see him doing really good things. Obviously, you know, I think we're waiting on Daniel Green to to come into form, maybe to get healthy, and then we should have one of the most dynamic linebacking cores in the Big Twelve, and and if not, the country. PFF actually had Austin Moore in week one after the SEMO game as the best graded power five linebacker in college football and how he played in that game with three tackles for loss. So Austin Moore is just a tremendous football player. You mentioned Daniel Green. I think he's got, he didn't have a tackle against SEMO and he, I think he had three or four in the game against Troy. Do you think it's just a, a matter of him getting back up to speed after being banged up? Do you think he looks maybe a step slow and is just getting back into shape and form out there? Yeah, I think it's all related to, you know, some of the injuries he dealt with in the preseason. And naturally, you know, that that impacts not only your your speed and agility, but also your game conditioning. And it takes a while for a guy of his size, um, you know, for all that to catch up. And so I think we'll see it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it on Saturday. But but obviously he's been in there. I think he played maybe the most or the second most snaps on defense Saturday. So so you hope that by by Saturday his game conditioning is even better. And that he's, you know, kind of finding the Daniel Green of old, because I think obviously with him, with Austin Moore, and then we've seen some really good things from from Desmond Purnell uh, through two games. I think you know you have three guys there that are really really strong players, and then you start mixing in maybe some of those younger guys as well, and they've shown that they have some strong capabilities as well. So really excited about our group at that linebacking linebacking position. Well, Desmond Purnell showed some burst on uh, one of those plays on Saturday when they were trying to trick K-State, the quarterback, Gunnar Watson, was trying to act like couldn't hear the play. They did the Wildcat snap the vital, and Purnell shot out of a cannon and blew that play up and showed some of his awareness out there, but also athleticism. So they have an electric trio of linebackers and then some good quality depth behind them. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the the pass rush, Curry. I mean, they're now, I think K-State's number nine in the country in sacks per game with four. Again, we're only two games into the season, but Khalid Duke looks every bit the part of what K-State could have hoped for coming in to replace Felix and Yudike Uzama sliding down to his natural pass rushing position. Him, you know, and Brendan Mott. I mean, I mentioned earlier, he graded as their second best pass rusher. He put Watson, their quarterback, on his back several times in the game. He might not have gotten home to get the sack a few of those times, but he felt that. And Gunnar Watson, as a result, he goes 2-8 of eight in the second half for nine yards passing, and then they lifted him in the fourth quarter. But I just, K-State's pass rushing, I mean, they, they are getting after him. What, what do you make of the the guys coming off the edge? Yeah, I've been I've been incredibly impressed. I think on on our on our on our first show prior to the SEMO game, and maybe on some other stuff that I did prior to the season, you know, people were always saying, you know, what are your concerns, or what you know, what do you want to see from certain groups on the field? And and I think naturally, when you lose a first round draft pick, and then also lose a guy on the inside who's been around forever, and Eli Huggins, I think it's natural to show some, you know, have a little bit of concern about, you know, what's 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 replacing those guys, what's re- replacing that leadership and that production and obviously we've seen Khalid we've seen Brendan and we've seen Nate do it um, at differing levels and at at different times 
But for the three of them to to now through two games have gone out there and just been incredibly impressive, um, it, you know, both games assures me that we are just fine at that position. I think Khalid Duke is, I mean, he is he he has to be one of the most exp- explosive pass rusher pass rushers in in college football. He's not Felix Anidike. He's not necessarily a three down physical defensive end run stopper pass rusher. He is just a speed guy. I mean, kind of like a, a young Von Miller. I mean, you know, the college version of a young Von Miller. The way that he attacks offensive tackles, um, in in you know, in maneuvers around them is unbelievable. I mean, both last week and this week, when he's when he's getting in the quarterback's lap and making sacks, they're in both games he's done it in a way that you feel like he goes unblocked, and then you look at the replay, and no, there is a a, a left tackle or a right tackle trying to block him. And he is just so explosive that they almost didn't lay a finger on him. And I think that's the most impressive thing about him. He is going to terrorize offenses all year. I mean, there's there not many offensive tackles are going to see many guys like him. Um, and so he's going to be something that that is going to that is going to be a, a game plan nightmare uh, for for offenses. And I think Brendan Mott and Nate Matlack have been very very impressive as well. I mean, those are those are two big long guys with some talent and with high motors. And and we've seen that they're, you know, just like Khalid, they're going to be in the backfield. They're going to be disrupting plays. And so I think to have those three guys and their big play capability is huge for our defense. And then you start mixing in, um, you know, somebody like Cody Stufflebean and then Toby um, as well. And and really there's some some strong depth there. And and I think, you know, we've, we've seen some flashes that maybe Toby O., is a little bit like Khalid Duke was when Khalid was, you know, was a younger cat. Um, the explosiveness is there, and so it's really exciting to see some of the different, you know, pass rush options options that we have. Well, I think Khalid's first sack, or it might have been his second sack on Saturday, actually came where they lined Toby and him on the same side, and they had him run a stunt, and they stunted Toby down in, and Khalid burst around the outside on the perimeter and got the sack, which was a really nice run stunt. Toby did his job. He obviously had the strip sack with 30 seconds left in the game, showed some of his burst and athleticism and power. I mean, Toby has a, a bright future as well, and it might be in that Khalid Duke role. And look, it's so hard to block Duke because, like you just said, Curry, the spin move he showed in week one against Simo to go on the inside, and then he's got that speed rush to the out, outer per edge, and his hands are so good to to just shed the block. Uh, he's he is hard to defend. He's a guy that was a wide receiver coming out of high school, which, you know, with that length and then move him down to DN. Man, it is fun to think about that pass rush going forward. Just a a couple other defensive numbers uh, we'll throw out and then we'll touch base on the offense here. But, you know, I mentioned earlier, Gunnar Watson, two of eight with nine yards passing in the second half. Troy went 0 of seven on third downs in the second half after going six of 10 in the first half. And this kind of blew me away when I ran the numbers hurry. First four drives of the second half, Troy, when it was a 21 to 10 game, Troy had 12 plays where they gained one yard of offense. So they went three and out each of their first four drives, gained a total of one yard of offense. On their first six drives of the second half, they had 62 yards of offense. And if you actually look at the overall numbers, they ran 66 plays in the game and 42 of them went for three yards or less. Um 20, 28 of 66 plays didn't gain a yard. 42% of their plays didn't gain a yard. Now, 16 of them were obviously incompletions, but a lot of negative run plays. They bottle up Vital, who's a talented running back. And once again, I mean, this run defense is really showing some things I did not expect them to be in this position. So, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, other than other than Vital's one big run, I mean, his, his, his yards per were, were, were minuscule. And and then the two one-handed catches. I mean, that offense would have had no production had it not. I mean, had you know the one big the one big one-handed catch up on the K-State sideline on third and long, and then the and then the touchdown, um, the touchdown catch. You know where where Will Lee had the guy blanketed. I think you know if those two plays take away those two plays in Vital's long run, and those numbers are even more staggered. So just a, an impressive job by the defense, and, and the second half numbers show what you know how good Klanerman is in game um, at making adjustments and, 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 you know, making those on the fly. 
I felt like I underestimated early on in that game Troy's skill guys because I, I was not expecting those dudes to go up and make one-handed grabs. But Chris Lewis is actually a six foot four wide receiver sophomore who was a transfer from Kentucky and and twenty four seven had him as a four star wide receiver in the twenty twenty one or twenty two recruiting class. And I, I did not realize that. Like they lost their two receivers. One transferred to Oregon. Their top guy had a eight hundred sixty three yards last year. Tess Johnson and their other went on and graduated. So I didn't expect those guys to come in and make some of those plays that they did credit to them. Uh, they stepped up, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they bottled up vital. In fact, if you, if you look at like the overall rushing numbers, that includes sacks, you take away vitals, 46 yard run. And that Troy offense ran for 24 yards on 27 carries. So now again, that includes the, the negated yards from sacks, but uh, just a tremendous job by that K-State defense. And in the second half, Troy had 28 plays, only three went for 10 yards or more. So an amazing defensive effort. We're going to talk about K-State offense, but first we're going to throw to a second break. Before we do that, we got to talk to you about our friends at DraftKings. Football's back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKey customers can take advantage of two new offers every game this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the code KCSN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.spot1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. All right, we're back with Curry Sexton, former Kansas State wide receiver and partner at Wildcat NIL. Curry, the one thing we haven't talked about really yet is the offense, and that was a Troy defense. Their calling card was the defensive side of the football. I mean, they were essentially a top-10 defense in almost every metric last season, scoring points per drive. They were 10th in the country last year, turnovers forced, and they had some guys up front. I mean, they returned their starting nose tackle, who's really a, a load, six foot three, 317 pounds, they had a couple all first team Sunbelt guys on the D line at the DN position. In fact, they returned three guys that had 33 tackles for loss and 20 sacks last year. So they have some dudes on that defense. What did you make of K State's offensive performance? I, I know there were some frustrating times where K State couldn't capitalize with some of the field position, especially in that third quarter. But what did you make of the performance by K State's offense factoring in that Troy defense? Yeah, overall, it was impressive. Um, you know, I think there were, I, I think, you know, through two games, we'd maybe like to see a little bit more of a rhythm or more consistency in the run game. And I think, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to that Troy front. I think some of the struggles that we had on Saturday were, were you know, just in part because we, we were up against a strong defensive team and a strong defensive front. But, you know, all in all, putting up 45 points against a team like that, uh, it, or excuse me, 42 points against a team like that is, is impressive. Um, and, you know, you come out and you have a fast start, which you always love to see kind of take control of the game. Second quarter, some of those, you know, had some of the same, other than that last drive, had some of those same um, struggles with, with capitalizing on field position as we did in the third quarter. And so I think, you know, there's after that Will Lee interception, there's a chance to really put that ball game away. Um, go in, take advantage of the short field position and go, you know, go score and go up 21 uh, and, and, or excuse me, I guess it would have been 18 at that point. Um, and so, you know, frustrating for us to throw an interception in that situation and give them an opportunity to come back in the ball game. But what I was really, really pleased to see was that despite that, that late touchdown by Troy, that, that put them within four, 
unlike maybe what we would have seen from K-State teams of old, where we would have hit an E and went to the locker room. We went down the field and scored seven points and really kind of, we, we probably took back a lot of that momentum that had been lost. And so, um, you know, uh, again, I know we can be we can be nitpicky, and that's what happens when you have a good football team is you get nitpicky. But but all in all, sco- scoring 42 points against a team like Troy um, in pretty convincing fashion is is impressive nonetheless. This isn't meant to be any sort of a dig at, at Bill Snyder. You played for Coach Snyder, and he's one of the greatest coaches to ever do it. But he likely would have taken a knee in that situation or ran out the clock. What does it say when your coach is willing to take those timeouts, be aggressive, not go into the locker room, satisfied just being ahead, but especially after Will takes that sack, right? I mean, they were in second and 18. Most coaches, not not just Bill Snyder, most coaches in college football would have just ran the clock out at that point. But Coach Kleiman calls a timeout in second and 18, you know, inside their own like 30, 35, and they go down and score. What, what does that say to if you're in that huddle as an offensive unit to them? I think it just shows what kind of confidence our coaches have in our players. Um, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you, I was – after after Will got sacked and put us in that in that second and twenty situation, I was I I, I sent out loud. I said, "Why are we calling a timeout here?" Uh, just because at that at that stage there was a possibility that we would give the ball back to Troy. And keep in mind, because we took the ball to start the game, Troy was getting the ball to start the second half. And so, um, you know, being you know having played for Coach Snyder and having played under a more conservative approach in a lot of those instances I after that sack I said what are we doing and then obviously those you know Coach Klein and Coach Coach Klein showed me why I'm in the stands and they're and they're you know they're making the important decisions and so again I think it goes to show what kind of confidence they have in both our quarterback and our offense as a whole um and it also shows what kind of big playability our offense has um, and so, you know, really impressive after that sack for the offense to, you know, to get back in there and, and to make that big play. I mean, and obviously it was, it was, Will was protected well on that long touchdown pass. He did a nice job stepping up into the pocket um, and obviously hit Phil in stride. And then Jaden Jackson made a heck of a block on the back end to make that possible. So really, really impressed with the aggressiveness of our coaching staff, because that's not something we've seen in the, in the past. And that play, that that long touchdown pass to Phillip Brooks turned the game on its head. Talked about how good that Troy defense was. I mean, it's a unit that allowed 3.6 yards per carry. Last year, Curry, that was top 25 in the country. K-State ends the game with 3.9 yards per carry. DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward each had 31 yards uh, at half on six carries each. So it was north of four. It was almost five yards a carry for each. But in the third quarter, those th- those two combined for eight rushes for zero yards. Is there any, do you just chalk it up to Troy's defensive line just doing a really nice job? Are there anything that you see or could pinpoint as something to be concerned about up front with K-State's offensive line or maybe just a slow start to the year? Yeah, I think I'll chalk it up mostly to a slow start. I mean, obviously we have a, we have an offensive line that is is still shuffling some parts around. And I think once we get Christian Duffy back, they'll, they'll get into more of a rhythm, um, you know, it'd be nice for guys to settle into one position rather than seeing him bounce around. And and so I, I think part of it is that. Obviously, we lost, you know, we lost an, an, an all-timer uh, to the NFL and Deuce Vaughn. And, and what he did for the offense was, I mean, he was he was the guy for the last two, three seasons. And so now trying to transition away from him to now two different but really talented running backs is obviously a change. Um, and, and, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think – Troy did a really good job, but there were also times, I mean, we, we were running a lot of those, a lot of those stretch type plays. And, and there were a lot of times where it was well blocked, but we didn't get the guy at the second level. Um, I, I can recall one play in the, in the first quarter where um, the play is very nicely blocked. And, and, and uh, I believe it was Taylor Poitier. He, you know, he gets up, he gets up to that second level, but just doesn't finish the block. The guy makes the play at the line of scrimmage and, and saw a number of instances like that on Saturday. And so I think, a lot of that, I mean, obviously these guys are, you know, very, very talented offensive linemen. And so I think the continuity in that rhythm uh, will lead to more success as we go forward. But but obviously a lot of factors contributing to maybe this, you know, the slow start for our run game. Will has a second interception um, back-to-back weeks. He he maybe just made a, a poor decision with where he throw the, threw, threw the football. I saw what he saw initially. It was toward our end where we were sitting, you know, R.J., 
popped open for a brief second, and it's probably a throw that Will needs to throw right on a line if he's going to try and get it in there down the seam. But he he sailed it, and I mean, look, Reddy Stewart is arguably the best group of five corner in the in the country. I mean, he's graded out as the number nine corner according to Pro Football Focus nationally. Uh, just last year, he gets the interception. But anything to be concerned about in your mind with maybe Will forcing things a couple different times? He, he threw into double coverage a couple different times, and I was just wondering what you thought of, of that and maybe the decision making. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's something. I, I mean. That that will that will improve as will as will takes more snaps and as his as his sort of in game command improves. I mean, I I think we we look at Will and on the roster we see senior next to his name, but we don't. But what we forget is that he didn't have a, a true off season or any sort of see you know preseason in twenty twenty. Came in totally green as a freshman and just thrown into the fire. Similar circumstances in twenty one and last year he comes in and plays about half the season. Um, after after Adrian Martinez's injury and, and and played really really well, but he he still hasn't played, you know the, he hasn't played the amount of snaps at the, at the collegiate level than maybe you would think because he is a fourth year guy, um, and so I think just you know improving in that decision making will come or improvements in that decision making will come with each snap and and I think it's just understanding that hey you know as badly as you want to throw the ball to Ben Sennett in coverage because he's a heck of a playmaker. We got to either take it, you know. We either got to take a check down, or we got to throw the ball out of bounds and move on to the next snap. Um, because you know, a, a zero yard gain is, is a heck of a lot better than turning the ball over. Um, and so, I think we will see that improve. But right now, I think through two games, yeah, there is a, a little bit of a reason to be concerned because we have seen him a time or two see a guy running down the seam and chuck it up. I mean, it ha- after after the excuse me before the interception on Saturday. Um, you know, Ben Sinnon again running a senior route and, and and Will chucked it up into double coverage and fortunately he overthrew everybody. Um and so I think in, in Colin Klein it, it is a guy who in his last two seasons as a starting quarterback at K State took took great care of the football. And I know that's something that was impressed upon him by Coach Snyder and Coach Del Miller. And so I have no doubt that Colin and Will will get that figured out and he'll start making the right decision. Will Will had 15 TDs and four interceptions last year, so his numbers were outstanding. And it's not like his his numbers are, are rock solid right now this year. It's really just nitpicking a little bit. And you know, there were a couple balls um, where there there was a chance that they could have been picked off on Saturday. You mentioned, and I get it. Like sometimes there is, uh, you, you want to just get it to your playmaker to make a play. Like Ben Sennett in double coverage, he might be able to make a play on a ball like that. So I get it, and I get the temptation to do it. Did you see anything that they did to contain Senate? He only was targeted a couple times, had five yards in the game. I assume, Curry, but I'm not an expert on this, that they were doubling him or bracketing him a lot of that game. But did you see anything different? Yeah, absolutely. He was getting bracketed in almost every snap, which is something that he's going to have to deal with. I mean, he is sort of, I mean, it, you know, and we'll see what happens when Keegan Johnson really gets into into a group. But Ben Sennett is the focal point of our passing game. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, whether he was lining up in a, in a true tight end spot or whether he was flexed out, he was he was almost on every snap. You know, he had a, he had a slot guy right over him, and then he had a safety over the top. Either you know, either getting doubled or, or in most cases, it was a true bracket. And I think one thing that Will and Ben will have to learn. I know they're really good buddies. They're obviously key you know key players on this year's team and were key players on last year's team. Is late. You got to let the game come to you. I know that that. You know, Dow went for five catches in 100 yards last week, and 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 he's getting bottled up early in the game, and it's just natural instinct to say we got to get him the football, we got to get our playmaker the football. But if but if Ben Sennett's getting bracketed or doubled on every snap, there's going to be a lot of one-on-one opportunities for other guys, and so you just have to take what the defense gives you. And I know that that will be frustrating for 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 Ben, um, but it, it's it's a part of the game. I, I mean, I know Tyler and I both dealt with that when we were seniors, and and. You just, you know, you got to let the game come to you. Your opportunities will come. And if they don't, they're going to come for other guys. And that's going to help the team win. And so, um, yeah, Ben was getting double teamed and bracketed a lot. I think he's going to see a lot of that this year. Well, it's going to become a lot harder to do that if Keegan Johnson shows what just the glimpse that we saw from him on 17 snaps in the second half of the game. And honestly, Curry, that was maybe one of my most positive takeaways was just getting the opportunity. I, I was worried not seeing him in the first half. It's like, oh, he's in uniform, but he must have just not felt like he could give it a go. 
Um, he gets out there and I, I had my eyes glued to him and just the burst that he showed the explosion and then just elite level hands. Um, he had one where he laid out just for that simple five yard pass, but it was a tough catch. Um, man, that the first catch he had for or second catch for 17 yards, I was on ready Stewart, you know, just a, a great route and almost scores on it, maybe did score. So, uh, what 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 did you make of what you saw from Keegan, and just how important is he to the offense and freeing up some of these other guys? Yeah, I mean he he is that. I mean he is that guy. He's that difference maker um, that that we've maybe been missing. Um, and, and and you know you've seen it over time. I mean you know I think you you look back to 2013 and Tyler Rocket missed a couple games that year. And the offense just completely changes uh, because the defense, the defense game, the defensive game plan completely changes when you don't have that guy out there. And so we've heard we've heard that Keenan or Keegan was going to be that guy. Um, and and in and, and glimpses on Saturday, he showed us that he is. And and the the things that that will do for the rest of our offense um, are sort of unspeakable. I mean, you have you have a guy like him who has the ability to get open in all three levels. And to put true pressure on a defense, and that's going to do wonders for Phil and RJ in the slot, and also for a guy like Jaden Jackson on the outside, who's shown us some really good things through two weeks, and then obviously Ben Sennett as well. And so I was I I I I breathed a deep sigh of relief when I saw him in there Saturday and saw him get out there and really look good because you know I think you started to wonder you know is this injury more serious than we thought? When is he going to be back? Will he be back for Mizzou? Will he be back for UCF? And I think he showed us enough Saturday that now coming into the Mizzou game, we feel like, okay, this is a guy who can probably go out there and play 50 snaps and probably make an impact on the game. Yeah, no, no question at all. I mean, heck, he even had a route where he wasn't targeted that went to Jaden Jackson for 40 yards. I watched him from the snap. He burnt his guy. Uh, yeah, he, 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 he kind of scored on that point. I, I, he might have scored. I was mad at Will for not throwing it to him because I think he probably would have scored. I mean, it's not, it was a, still a, a dime. I mean, Will yeah. threw an absolute bit. It was a great fingertip catch by great Jaden chance. Jackson, too. So the, I'm nitpicking again. But, yeah, that, that showed a lot of flashes there with Keegan and uh, this offense. And, yeah, I feel bad we didn't even hardly touch about Phillip Brooks, who had a great game, seven catches for 94 yards. Jaden Jackson graded out, actually, as K-State's number one receiver, according to PFF, and Maybe the blessing in disguise is with Keegan missing a, you know, some of those snaps. You got extra reps for a guy like Jaden, and you might have uncovered a fourth weapon at the wide receiver position moving forward. Curry, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. You and me are both going to Columbia on Saturday. Big game. Things crank up another level now. It only gets harder. Missouri. I mean, you're a Kansas kid, you know, and uh, I think you were a redshirt freshman last time they played. It was 2011. K State won that game. Yeah. I was a freshman and actually got to play that day. But yeah, that was uh, last time we played him. So. What What does it mean to you? I mean, does it take on any added incentive during a bordering state? Do you consider Missouri a, a big rival? You know, uh, yes and no. I mean, I think, you know, in, in K-State's good years, Missouri was almost always down. And so, you know, there wasn't, I mean, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, it seemed like we always kind of took care of them and, and then obviously in 2011, we took care of them with relative ease. And so I know that there is that rivalry component. I, I, I guess I haven't ever felt it as much, at least in maybe comparison to KU. But I will say that, you know, you, you, they're an SEC team. And nowadays with, with, you know, conference alignment and with, you know, some of just the, the, the natural, um, you know, bantering that goes on back and forth between these conferences. I think there's a lot of motivation that comes from the fact that we're playing an SEC team um, and we're playing them in their house and, and they haven't sold out a football game since 2019 and, and all of a sudden the Cats are coming to town and, and, and they've sold out for Oak Field or Rock Field, however you pronounce it. And so I think there's a lot of motivation there from just inherently based on the matchup itself Um and, and then I think, you know, you throw into the mix that there's not, there's not been any shortage of, of publicities from Columbia or Mizzou-based outlets that haven't made it sound like this is their Super Bowl. They feel like this game is either, this game is going to dictate their season. If they lose, they probably go 5-7, and 6-6. Six and six. If they win, they think that they can achieve, you know, kind of, they can hit greater heights under Eli Drinkwitz than maybe they have before. Um, at the end of the day, you know, 
this is this is a this is a football team that if we play like we're supposed to, we should be able to take care of. Um, and, and so I think for me, it's just about you know for the Cats, it's just about going there and taking care of business, just like we did on Saturday against. Is there a matchup you're you're particularly going to have your eye on? I don't know how much you've had a chance to watch Missouri. I mean, they've got a decent defense. They got some dudes over on that side of the ball. Brady Cook, a quarterback. His numbers look okay, but I think it's a lot of shorter shorter stuff that they're doing. Burden's an explosive receiver, but they struggled immensely against Middle Tennessee, which we we made some jabs about it being their Super Bowl next week. So they were looking ahead. Uh, on our pod earlier with John and D.Y. Curry. But uh, any any matchups in particular that stand out to you in this game? Yeah, I think uh, the easy one is, is Luther Burden and then, you know, Will Lee or Jacob Parrish. I mean, Luther Burden is a is a special special talent at that receiver position. I think last week went over 100 yards for the first time in his college career. Obviously a guy that is sort of coming into his own. And so um, – Really, this is going to be a big test for Will and Jacob. Um, they've shown us a lot so far, but I don't think they've gone against a Luther Burden so far. And then I think another one is 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 you know sort of our interior offensive line against their interior defensive line. You know they have a couple of really good players up front whose names I can't remember, um, but but that you know that's going to be important an important part of this uh, this game is is our our offensive line's ability to control the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and then I guess, you know, in addition to Luther Burden, I mean, they have other good weapons out there as well. I mean, Theo Weiss is a guy who, who made a lot of plays at the University of Oklahoma over the years. And so there's 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 a talent level there. Um, I don't know if Brady Cook is the answer for them. I know a lot of their fans want to see Sam Horn, and we may see Sam Horn on Saturday. Um, but again, I think this is a team, I mean, they, they snuck by a Middle Tennessee State team who got beat by Bama by 100 in week one. And so I and, and this is a, this is a similar team to the team we took care of with relative ease last year in Manhattan. And so I think the important thing, and I know Coach Kleiman and his staff do an unbelievable job of preparing our guys, but uh, love the fact that it's an 11 a.m. kick and 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 the guys just have to you know head to Columbia and it's a business trip. You go win the game, you fly back, and you can have a night out in Manhattan Saturday night. Yeah, and I'll be able to actually watch uh, six o'clock games that evening at peace with hopefully a, a win under the belt and not have to worry about uh, the anxiety of a night kick. That always, uh, you know, you just kind of sit around nervous all day, and I'm sure you do as a player as well. That that can't be fun. I'm sure it's fun playing under the lights, but I uh, I kind of would prefer as a fan just to get it out of the way. And you mentioned the interior line. Darius Robinson, uh, 6'5", 300-pound D tackle. He's actually, so Mel Kuyper today, uh, the NFL draft analyst for ESPN lists that as one of his three matchups across college football to watch this week is Cooper Beebe against Darius Robinson, who's an experienced veteran guy up front for Mizzou. So they're going to test the K-State offensive line a little bit, but it's a veteran group. And if they can get Christian Duffy back, that'll be a, a big lift. Hopefully there's not a lot of rust there and and he's sharp and they figure things out up front. And if they do, I think K-State will be okay in this game. Curry, I kept you far too long. But there was so much to talk about uh, with some of the exciting things going on. We didn't talk as much NIL in this episode, but for our listeners, they need to get on out over to catsnil.com. Check out Wildcat NIL. There's a membership tier program that you guys have launched over there. You guys got something for everybody. You know, $10 for the uh, the lower tier, 25 as it sounds like sirens are uh, going right by my house right now. Uh, 25 for that second tier, 50 for the third tier, and then $90 a month for that fourth tier. And and as you go up a tier in each one, you get even more access and perks. So encourage everybody to get on over to catsnil.com. Check it out. Also, the store you guys got there, the Kansas State Beef Hats. You guys are doing great work and a lot of good causes. Everything is going, like money is not only going to K-State athletes and benefiting them, but like with the Kansas State Beef Hats and everything going on there, you know, like we've said before, Every half bought a pound of Kansas raised beef goes to a local food bank, which is a great thing. You guys are contributing to the Boys and Girls Clubs, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and so many other things. So cannot encourage all of you fans to get out there and help support Curry and the great group of K-State. A lot of former K-State football players you guys got over there, Curry. So uh, anything you want to add that uh, I might have missed? No, I, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, obviously we're in a, we're in a different state in college athletics, and and NIL is a is an important factor, um, and will continue to be an important factor to the success of our programs. And so, 
obviously would welcome, um, you know, any support, whether it, you know, through our store, through our membership platform, um, through, you know, individual donations, whatever that may be, it all matters and it all makes a difference. Well, I know uh, a few of my friends are, uh, have started contributing to uh, Wildcat NIL as well. They heard it talked about on the show. So I hope more of you all get engaged and help support what we see. You know, they're, they're putting in tons of work, these guys do, and they deserve it. They're, they're earning it out there. So get on over to catsnil.com. Curry, appreciate you so much. Maybe we'll run into each other in Columbia and uh, have a celebratory drink or something after the game, hopefully, uh, and then get back home safely. But have a safe trip out to Columbia. Appreciate you once again jumping on in our, our weekly show uh, with Curry Sexton, former K-State wide receiver and partner at Wildcat NIL. For Nick Springer behind the scenes producing this, thank you for listening to another episode of Three Mom. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.